Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist and composer Dave Meter. He opened up about his newest 2023 CD, New American Hymnal. It's his third album as a leader and first full album with this quartet configuration. It's a collection of worship songs, not in a religious sense, but rather from the American civic and cultural experiment. He stands as one of the most prominent artists of his generation, known for a broad musical palette and interdisciplinary approach recognized in the Thelonious Monk International Jazz Piano Competition, the American Pianists Awards, and the Chamber Music America New Jazz Works Commission Program. He's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks, Thanks for, for taking this. a minute out today. Of course. So, you know, before we get into American Hymnal, I, I want to know, you know, the last three years with COVID did quite a thing on all of us, especially the musician community. How did you survive it? How has it changed the way that you do things now? Um, I I don't know if it impacted me as much as it did the rest of you know a lot a lot of our community. I was I was here in in Texas and I was still teaching here at the university and and just trying to uh, trying to keep our students mentally sane more than anything. We we had a lot of meetings, a lot of talks, a lot of pivoting to try and figure out how we can keep these kids engaged and and deliver. So, I mean, in terms of my own well-being, I mean, I, I just kind of plowed through it and I had enough other things to to keep me busy. I think I'm kind of grateful for that. So Um, it certainly changed the way I think, think about the world and and think about uh, the fragility of, of life sometimes, you know, and I think that certainly comes to bear on a lot of things I've written since then. Which I guess is my my follow up into this new album. How much of what we lived through was an influence? What what really artistically went into this album? A lot. <laughs> uh, my my whole upbringing really is 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 the framing of it. You know, I'm, I'm raised raised in the church, and thus the hymnal metaphor. I played hymns all the time, but but this is not like a jazz hymns album. Uh, I don't want people to think that. That's that's been done uh, a million times over, but I, I'm kind of using the idea of hymns as a as a reflection on what American society uh, American society is and what I hope it could be. You know, as we're we're dealing with a lot of existential threats, I think uh, to to our political system, to our democracy itself, and also to our planet as a whole. It's it's no longer like uh, a given that we're we're going to make it through, I feel like. I mean, that's kind of pessimistic. But and, and, you know, when we're faced with problems like this, people often turn to religion. So this is my sort of metaphorical way of, of turning to, to religion in a sense, like let's explore what our American civic cultural religion is and, and let's reflect on that through this music. And, and hopefully it puts us in a mindset where we can you know, start to move forward and deal with these these threats that are in front of us. Yeah, no. And I think that that's that, that you're, you're, you're spot on because there's a lot of things that I thought that I think we all thought were secure about the way that we lived and the way that things went on, but we learned otherwise in a very stark way. It was a very black and white kind of time period. There was not a lot of gray matter. For sure. So, so talk to me about the ensemble of cats that you had on this album and how well you all communicated together on this project. Yeah, I love this band. I mean, 
well, so the drummer, Michael Pilot, the bass player, Marty Jaffe, and myself, we go back over a decade. We met when we were, uh, I guess we were college students at the time, and we were all invited by David Baker, the late great educator, to, um, to participate in the Steens Institute at the Ravinia Festival, which was like a week-long residency for up-and-coming jazz musicians. And so I met them there and we got to playing and I was like, these are, these are my guys. And uh, our paths diverged over the years. And then somehow we all ended up in New York over a decade later. And I said, okay, this is, this is my band here. So, um, and then Philip Dizak, the trumpet player I met, uh, well, we met when we both lived in New York, but ironically we didn't become close uh, musically or personally until we both ended up here in Texas teaching at uh, UNT. So that's kind of how we got to know each other. And, and I had him guest on a couple of tracks on my last album. And the vibe was just so great between him, myself, and Marty and Mike that I said, well, we have to do a whole album as a quartet, not just a trio with, with a featured guest. You know, So that's how this album came about. And um, a lot of the stuff we did, I sent in to like, to uh, grants and commissions, and we actually won a big one this past year through Chamber Music America. So this quartet is is a unit, you know, and we're going to make another record after this with our Chamber Music America commission and, and all, hopefully more stuff after that. So it's, it's exciting to be with these guys. So talk to me about what you're hoping the listener gets from this album. I hope they enjoy it, first of all. You know, the message is always one thing, but not everybody's going to care about that. I'm cool with that. Enjoy the music. I think there's enough here. There's like, a, you know, the opening track is like a nice folk anthem. Uh, towards the middle, we get some, some darker things, some more reflective things. Towards the end, I leave you with a beautiful rendition of I Bide With Me, a, a hymn. So, I, I mean, musically, I just hope you enjoy it. But if you want to think more, I hope you uh, dig into the, the digital liner notes and I hope you kind of, you as a listener, reflect on, on, on what's going on in the tracks and what it makes you think about in your own life and, and what kind of you as a person revere about our American civil religion. So talk to me a little bit about how this journey to jazz began for you. What were some influences? Where were you born and raised? How did it all start? Yeah, I was born in Florida. And I was a classically trained pianist for many years until some of my friends started bugging me to um, start a jazz band with them in middle school. And at first, I didn't like the idea because I didn't really like jazz, but, but I gave in eventually. And then I, I, I instantly grew to love it, the improvisation, the, the freedom, the, the expression. And, and so that's ultimately what I decided I want to do. And, and I just kind of worked at it on my own, uh, picking up knowledge where I could until I got to college where I got to actually study with someone, um, Bill Peterson at Florida state and Marcus Roberts also at Florida state university. And then all these little workshops. And then that led to, you know, making the jump to New York and, uh, cutting my teeth there, eventually going to Juilliard and staying on to teach there also. That's kind of where I got into teaching. And then one thing led to another. And here I am in Texas teaching full-time, but it's great because I still get to pursue my creative work, my creative projects. I still tour. I still do everything I was doing in New York, just 
from a location that's slightly hotter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who were some early influences for you? Who were you really listening to? Um, who who's profound? Uh, my big three are Bud Powell, Errol Garner, and Ahmad Jamal, for sure. It's, it, it doesn't always come out in my music. Um, I'm checking out a ton of stuff, which which is what you'll hear on New American Hymnal. But at the root of it, for me, it's it's those three piano players that, that got me going. What was the first live jazz show you ever saw that blew you away, that made you either think, this is what I want to do with my life, or I absolutely love jazz music? Uh, Chick Corea lived in Clearwater, which was about an hour away from where I grew up in, in Florida, you know, towards the end of his life. And so I actually got to see him a couple times, like around locally. He, he would do a clinic and concert at University of South Florida, which was right down the road. And so that was really impactful for me as, as a high schooler, being face to face, you know, 10 feet away from this legend of the instrument, legend of the music. So what over your career have you learned from, you know, kind of being around legends, luminaries, those that have been in jazz for a while? What have they taught you that you in turn teach students or younger players you're around? Respect. Respect, for sure. Uh, You know, getting to work with people like Curtis Fuller, David Baker, studied with Kenny Barron for a year at Juilliard, these are people that went through a lot more than I could ever imagine. You know, we come from different backgrounds, different racial, different ethnic, different social backgrounds, different historical backgrounds. I mean, they taught me respect because it's, it's not something I, I grew up with as, as a young kid from Florida. I didn't have any concept of, of what they went through to produce the music that they produce. And um, so I try as much as I, I can to impart that to my students and try to get them to dig into what lies beyond, you know, what what is the social and historical context behind the artists that they're listening to? Where are they coming from? So did any of these players give you specific advice to you that you've held on to and remembered throughout all these years? Specific advice? Um, David Baker once told me something interesting. He, he said, uh, do something that allows you to live. And I think you could take that many ways. And in fact, I reflected on what he meant by that for many years. I wish I could have asked him one more time before he passed. Uh, I think you could take that many ways, but I, I still toy around with that idea in my head. Do something that allows you to live. Yeah. So let me ask you this, of all of the facets that go into being a professional musician, from education, composing, recording, live shows, what is it that you look forward to the most? What gets you up in the morning? What propels you through the day? What is it that you look forward to the most? Uh, I think the most, I mean, I, I love performing. I love performing live. It's, it's a rush. It's a privilege, really. That's what COVID made me reflect on heavily is that, well, the first time I got to play after COVID, I was like, man, I don't care how much money I'm getting tonight. I don't care if I'm in the hole on this tour or breaking even or whatever. Like, this is a privilege. So I reflect on that a lot. And I think that's that's what keeps me going 
in all this. Of, of course, I love to teach and my students fulfill me every day and inspire me, but uh, it's, it's really a blessing to be out there playing. And you, you know, you made it very clear that the elder statesman, you know, taught you respect and you, you teach that as well. But what is it ultimately that you love about jazz? Why do you love jazz? The freedom of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a kid studying classical piano, I think that's, that's what probably a lot of kids who get into jazz, it's probably what attracts them at first is the freedom. They're allowed to quote unquote, break the rules. Of course, you learn later on that jazz is, is, has rules, it has conventions, it has things, but uh, at first that's really refreshing for a musician. So talk to me a little bit about, you mentioned some, you know, Chick Corea and some big names that you've seen, but if you could get into a time machine and go back in time and catch any musician live, where are you going? Who are you going to see? The John Coltrane Quartet, without a doubt. Right on. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, students, but you're the one in control. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Wow, that's a deep question. <laughs> who do I think I am? I don't know. I think, aren't, aren't we always figuring that out? I mean, I, I certainly learn something new about myself with every album I put out, every new piece I write. It's like I look back on it years later and I can't believe I came up with something like that. Or, you know, what was I thinking at the time that led me to that thing? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the journey, right? We're constantly figuring out who we are. For sure. So if anyone out there wants to pick up American Hymnal, learn more about live shows, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? Yeah, my website, Dave Meter, that's M-E-D-E-R.com. I keep it well updated. I'm on top of it. Uh, you can buy the album there. You can find it on Bandcamp. You can pre-order it if this comes out before September 8th. Uh, all kinds of stuff. You can sign up for my mailing list. I don't spam. I just send little brief updates if I'm in your area, things like that. Uh, would love to meet you. Would love to see you all out on the road. Right on. Dave, thank you so much for opening up about the album and your life and music. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Texas, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Dave for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.